Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle, it is the week before the NFL Scouting Combine, and uh, I'm excited to get that athletic testing data on these prospects very, very soon. Welcome to the show. Dude, I'm just excited to hang out with my main man, Joe Marino, in Indianapolis for the first time in his scouting career. Live, not live, but we'll do in person. You know, I was talking to my brother, David, who is a listener of the Draft Dudes podcast, and he gives me a lot of feedback on that. Right. He says, he's so, there's something about when you guys are together, that the shows are better. There's more uh, like imagery between the two of you and your interactions, and so I'm excited for that. Should we, should we just uh, do video? calls like from now on like not for everybody else but just for us i don't know man like part of that's part of (laughs) yeah i guess that we we could i don't know i don't know if that's necessary but if it enhances the podcast i'm just trying to think of the ways that we can you know capture that magic and it is magic don't get me wrong when when we're sitting next to one another with our microphone propped on top (laughs) of a trash can and we're leaning into the hotel uh, table, the the super cheap one with the the recycle bin on top of it, <laughs> and uh, that is magic. Make no mistake. JC Cornell, our boss, told us that we're supposed to get underneath a sheet. Could you <laughs> like ghosts? Yeah, apparently that's a bar stool. Build a fort, you uh, and I. I think that I think that's the <laughs> the part. I'm assuming it's a part of my take Might hack be. where they just when they're on the road or they travel, they make a sheet fort and it helps with the audio with the echo but joe the the problem is really just with the sound setting i think i don't i don't know if i want to just as far as like there's different like layers and i don't want to mess yeah and i'm not trying to get like under a sheet for 30 minutes talking (laughs) with you it just uh, that's gonna be weird it's gonna be hot wow we've slept in the same bed before (laughs) right but i okay um yeah, I'd, not under the same layer. Yeah, that's of one of the rules like of sharing. Sheets, like I'm, I'm a layer up, or, right, or you're a layer right. down. That's like, the law. Um, so what? What are you so afraid of that you don't? It's just going to be hot and weird under, under there. Right. I mean, I don't know. It just feels. It feels strange. It feels strange. What a what a weird start to this podcast. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> we keeping this? Not this how or? I plan on the start in this conversation. <laughs> keeping it? Or we, yeah, let's keep All it. Let's right. keep it. We'll, we'll, we'll let the people revel in it uh, tomorrow morning as they're listening. Just know that if you've been not entertained that I considered saying cut, but uh, we're going to talk about football players today. Uh, a couple couple interesting prospects on the docket, uh, leading off with Stanford wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Kyle, would you like to set the, uh, set the tone here? Yeah, Arcega-Whiteside, he's kind of an odd player, right? Uh Played 36 games, started 24 at Stanford, 135 receptions for 2,219 receiving yards, 28 touchdowns. He averages three quarters of a touchdown in every game he's played at the college level. And, um, man, where do you start? He doesn't run particularly well. I don't think he has great burst, 
But I still saw plenty of plays in which Arcega Whiteside stacked at defenders at the line of scrimmage because of his technique and his ability to release. I love that. Now, he's not Andy Isabella, Mm-mm. right? But you watch Andy Isabella run his routes, and there's a lot of head fakes. There's a lot of lying with his body. Arcega Whiteside does a lot of this, where his his head tells lies to defenders in coverage and, and forces and generates false steps. And I think he's an intelligent route runner. And well, his problem is always going to be, in my opinion, off-man coverage. If you've got a guy that's willing to squat on his route at 10 yards and he's not going to bail out when Arcega Whiteside gets to like seventh, eighth yard because he's worried about getting overtaken vertically, you're going to take away a lot of Arcega Whiteside's game. You're really going to put the pressure on him to win in contested catch situations in that capacity. But you put a guy on the line of scrimmage, he's really effective with his technique and releases and generating a false step. And I think once he gets out of his release, he can stack you pretty well. And then he's got you on the on the run, and then you're chasing him. And in zone, he hit a lot of vertical shots in the honey hole against cover two. And uh, he, he's got a contested catch situation. So if you get, let him get posted up and you're arriving late to the catch point, I think he's going to beat you up too. So a lot of areas to like but not necessarily somebody that's going to be for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I like uh, what you mentioned there about his route running. Uh, and just to kind of ex- talk a little bit further about his ball skills, man, and he's so good in, in contested situations. And, and I, obviously he tracks it well, he picks it up quick, but he makes great adjustments. And he does a really great job of getting his body in position to win at the catch point. He's aggressive attacking it. He's not a guy that's patiently waiting on the football. He goes up and he gets it and – you know, uh, the 50-50 balls are much more in his favor. I think there's a stat out there. I don't remember what it is, but I think he's tipping 60% of his contested situations where he he actually wins. Uh, and so I love that on top of his ability to run what I think are really nuanced routes, like you had mentioned, a lot of different ways that he does, uh, things that he does to sell his route breaks, really strong hands. He, he grips it tight, he squeezes it away from his frame very routinely. And I do think he does does well to overcome some of his 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 burst and speed concerns by uh, being being nuanced and being able to position himself and pick up the ball uh, quickly. You, ca- you see him catch the ball a lot in stride, and uh, I love those things about him. I think the big thing from him, for him is just understanding that I'm not sure that he's going to be able to truly attack all levels of the field very effectively. And you know, I, I just I I don't know. I, I'm not sure he's going to be like super slow, but like. How fast is he? And I think that's really going to matter for his valuation when it's all said and done. Um, what do you think he runs? I'm hoping it's under four six. What's your What's your best case scenario? The best four. What do you think the lowest that he runs? Yeah, mm, four five three. I was going to say yeah. four fives. Yeah, like I, I, that's not his game though. So I'm not I'm not overly concerned about it. I think we'll think that make him a little bit more of a limited player, right? In that he can't stack pure man coverage against all guys because some guys are just physically going to be able to stick with him. But even if you're tight with him, he can still maybe not necessarily between the twenties, right? I think that that's something that I did note. I think his values really amplified in the red zone when things yep. are condensed and tight is space is yep. tight anyway. You know, that kind of plays into his strengths a little bit. And that's evidenced by the the scoring production that he's had 
at Stanford. But um, you know, even if he runs four six, like not four six nine, but if he runs four six, like okay, we knew that's who he was anyway. So I'm not I'm not gonna right. drag him anymore right. for that. It's it's just kind of a reaffirmation of like. Yeah, he can't run all that well. One thing that Ben Solak uh, said about him, and Ben's been on this train since preseason, big time. Um, He said, you know, look, there's multiple ways that receivers are deployed in the NFL, right? And not all of them required great agility or vertical speed, right? I think it's just understanding the ways that he wins, and there are ways that he can make plays and be very, very effective. Um, And I I think it, you know, I think so many times we want to look at a receiver and make sure that he can do every single thing, right? Right. And we really crush guys if they if they have an area that they that they can't. But I I think the reality is like I projected him to I put him in the bill for the Bills in the second round of my mock draft that I posted last week the seven round. And the thing about him what where I thought he fit the Bills well was because I thought he offered a skill set that didn't exist within the the current group of receivers. And I think that's important. Like. Maybe you're not going to get him to be your vertical guy. You're not going to get him to be the guy that you're just going to, you know, uh, hitting hit on screens and ask him to create after the catch. But if you want an intermediate target to complement a guy that's going to stretch the defense vertically, that's going to command attention when he lines up in the slot for a quick pass, he's the guy that can really uh, take advantage of that space that's afforded because of complementary skill sets existing within your wide receiver group. So just understand that, like maybe he's a niche guy, but that niche is is pretty valuable. Right, and I think where that comes into play with his evaluation isn't necessarily, especially for our perspective, we're not grading for yeah. a single team, right? So how does that end up working out? It ends up working out because really you have the opportunity to see you, – you want to get the boys under control? Yeah, you there? know, What's Bruce on? is enjoying a squeaky toy behind me. He, no- <laughs> he normally <laughs> – I lost my train of He normally thought. leaves the room when I start <laughs> recording, but not tonight, man. I don't know. He had a little coffee or something. Um, where that comes into play for us as people that grade for all teams versus where it comes into to wait for teams is it may impact the supply and demand because he's not going to be in demand for every single team, right? That doesn't make him any less of a football player. That won't impact the grades for teams that covet those types of skill sets. He's, I think he's going to be a highly rated player. But the fact that he might not, quote unquote, be for everybody, that includes NFL teams. And because there's not 32 teams that are lining up to draft this guy on the first day of the draft may result in a compromised evaluation and a little bit later draft target than what somebody who's really high on his game may anticipate. But I think that's okay still, too. Any other additional thoughts on our Sega White side? No, I think he'll be a valuable player. Um, it'd be curious to see. I mean, he's a guy that I, I'm very much anxious to see how he tests uh, next week in Indy. Uh, the other player we want to get to, Kyle, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, defensive back, Florida. Really had a, a nice season in 2018. And, like, what the thing about him is, like, there was kind of a sour taste, I think, in all of our mouths based on – some of the warts we saw in 2017, particularly with his tackling and and really kind of making uh, some passive decisions when having the opportunity to tackle in just really bad form. But when you when you take the time to really study this guy's game and what he showed in 2018, you see a really nice football player. Uh, he worked a lot from the slot this past season. 
Um, and he, you know, obviously did a lot of different things there, defending shallow zones, playing in man, also using him as kind of a force player where they'll, they'll send him all the time on blitzes. And so he got to do some aggressive things, a little bit like what Buda Baker did for Washington. Uh, if you guys remember him a couple years ago, um, I, I like his ability to do so many different things for a defense and I love versatility in defensive backs. So like, if I want a guy that can come up and play man in the slot, um, I got a guy that can do that in Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Now there's some variance in his ability to stay to, and to recognize routes and stay uh, connected, but his physical ability to to really be a good man guy, I think, is very much there. And so you want to task him with bigger slots, tight ends, and stuff like that. He can do that for you. I have no problems with him playing in shallow zones, split zones. Very very savvy to read the backfield and quickly work into throwing lanes. Uh, he had some stuff in, in single high more in 2017, but certainly has the range, and he picks up the ball really, really quick. So I, I, I'm comfortable with him playing as a center fielder as well. And he, he's his click and close, his ability to just get off that blank. That, oh, it, so, it, so, yeah, if you want a guy that's going to come up and defend the run or defend against a quick game, man, he's going to close so quick. So, like, this guy does a lot of things, and this is, this is a perfect player for the NFL right now. And the stresses that an offense can put on a defense, you have a neutralizing type player here in Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Yeah, I think my my dream situation for Chauncey is to go to a team that'll use him as one of their two base safeties, and then when they go nickel, they roll him into the nickel and bring a third safety on the field. Yeah, I can see that. Because that I mean, that really accentuates a lot of depending on, you know, in your base personnel, you can still get him in those looks if you want to go cover one or cover three and buzz him down and keep him inside of 10, 15 yards and uh, really let him kind of spectate the play and then use that click and close like that, I think is is clearly an elite area for him to be able to really drive on runs and step up. Or blow up screen passes. Like how many bubble screens did you see Chauncey Garner Johnson blow up <laughs> all the time? Yeah, this, in 2018, yeah. like every single time they tried to run a bubble to his side, he's blowing the guy up, the point man up, like not even close. And he's relentless. Uh, his motor. I saw him kind of buzz down and, and try and come off as a, as a blitzer off the edge, and they went quick the other way, and he ends up like doubling back and is 10 yards downfield on the opposite sideline, like making the tackle. Like his motor runs hot. He's really elite in short areas. As you said, the the physical skill set is elite. He improved immensely as a tackler. But um, I, I think this is one of the most dynamic football players in this year's class, period. Strong. It's going to be top tw- top 25 player for me on my draft board because I have a first-round grade on him. And uh, I think I'm at 21 right now, and I can't see getting maybe more than one or two more, maybe. But I've done most of the like the the premier yeah. guys in this year's class, so he's going to be top 25. And the explosive qualities that he has are is just tremendous. When you think about slotting him to a team, is there anybody that stands out? And I, you know, there's some Panthers fans that interacted me with this pa- this past week on Twitter that were like. Hey, I, I kind of like him to the Panthers at like sixteen, and Dallas fans. You could sign me up for that. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I mean Philly. I mean, is any teams really pop for you? At that, I mean, that would deploy him in the way that you kind of discussed. Uh, let my producer pull up the current draft order. And, and I mentioning and team. Yeah, needs. as you do that, just kind of interesting with Carolina because they have Eric Reed, who's their you know 
kind of their he's more of a strong safety a guy that's going to play down a little bit. You don't want him playing back, and so I think Chauncey could could probably complement him pretty well. And they got Rashawn Golden, who they took fairly high last year, and I'll be interested to see what they think he is because I think in a way you could probably see them filling similar roles. Now, I don't think that Rashawn Golden should prevent you from drafting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but I can kind of see them saying, well, we kind of got this guy and we want to see what he has. But um, I, I trust that you probably have the order up now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at by division, like on draftnetwork.com, we have our primary and secondary team needs for all the teams. And I'm looking at the teams that need safety and it would never happen, right? Like it would never happen. But imagine putting him and Derwin on the same team. The, and yeah like <laughs> that would be amazing but as far as teams that realistically could draft a safety carolina makes a ton of sense i think the packers make a lot of yeah. sense that's a good call the cowboys make sense he's not getting a 40 um, whatever right though <laughs> that's the thing about yeah right oh i mean green bay's got two yeah first. yeah but i mean for dallas so i green- don't know man that's Mm, yeah, that's that's wishful yeah. thinking. I think not, if they want to move up, then sure. But mm. yeah, I mean, I well, Philly. Yeah, because I mean, they they like to be. Mm, I don't think schematically that one fits as well as some of the other teams because they like they like to get those those front four guys getting after it, right? Yeah. I want a little bit more. I guess if he's buzzing down into 10 yards, I kind of like Green Bay. I think that would be my favorite slotting right now. Yeah, and they definitely need safety help. And they, they, I mean, they made some strong investments in their secondary last year, but it, I think we're still – we're still in need of some more stuff, and they need help at edge. They need help at linebacker. But um, how much? How great would it be if the Texans replaced Honey Badger with him? Very great, except for they better take an offensive lineman. <laughs> right, like that's it would never happen because they they have to take the best offensive lineman they, on the they board. They really do. <laughs> but it, but if, if they like spent every ounce of money that they have on offensive line and free agency, and they freed themselves yeah. up. That would be another one that would, I would really like a lot. Too. Yeah, free agency is going to dictate so much of this. It's, I mean, uh, hopefully they can eliminate some needs and really position themselves to take the best player, and that could be him. And he'd be fun. I mean, they got Justin Reed last year too. So mm-hmm. talk about some some mm-hmm. fun interchangeable guys back there. Well, that's the that's the fascinating part, right? Is where I think Tuesdays when franchise tags can start being applied. And that's going to impact the free agency pool. And then the free agency pool is going to go live on the 13th. And you've got that legal tampering window, which is the dumbest phrase I've ever heard my entire life, because if it's legal, then it's not tampering. It's just a negotiation window, but I digress. And then teams can start signing players on the 13th. And this landscape is going to change drastically, like big time people getting cut. Some people that are getting cut, like Glover Quinn got cut over the weekend, like he can sign anywhere he wants right now. But uh, the franchise tag situation is going to be fascinating because almost all of the pending free agents are elite defensive players. So how many of those guys get tagged? 
A lot of them. You yeah. have to figure. I was gonna say you have to figure like Grady Jarrett's probably getting yep. tagged. Jadavian Clowney's getting tagged. Yep. Frank Clark's getting tagged. You sure about that? <sighs> Seattle's got cap space, so I mean, yeah. I mean, why would they create the need? Right. Like worst case scenario, you you tag him, and if you want to not play him under the tag, then you can negotiate with him for an additional contract. But I don't know if he, they they would let him go because that that team's very young, yep. and he's still young. Uh, who am I missing? D Ford getting tagged. I heard he wants out, but we'll see. Listen, I don't know how Kansas City can justify letting one of their three good defensive players leave. You know, if D Ford didn't line up in the neutral zone on that one, <laughs> stop it. You know, it was on NFL network last night. I was waiting for the uh, fleet game to come on and the replay of that game was on. And I just, I shook my head, turned the TV off. I said, damn it. D that's why I gave you a third round pick. coming out. <laughs> News is going to culminate in this. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. Well, speaking of the fleet, uh, how about those 2-0 Orlando Apollos? Steve Spur. Our Apollos. Steve Spurrier after the game from the top rope saying that the Alamo Dome was as loud as Rocky Top. I loved it. Really? He, did he say that? He did. He said. That's true. He said, hey, it's a pretty wild atmosphere in here. It's loud. And, and, and Steve Spur goes, yeah, you know, about as loud as Rocky Top. It's like, oh, man. Wow. The guy's still trolling 73 years old. No reason whatsoever to to take a shot when, at Tennessee. When, he does it. When's, when's the last When's the last time he coached a University of Florida football oh, game? Like fifteen years maybe ago. Maybe longer, man. I love him, and he's still taking shots at Rocky Top. Kyle, everybody had the That's chance terrific. to pick an AAF team. How do you not pick the one with the HBC? Could not be me. I'm glad you talked me into it. Oh man, it's too good. It's must see. Yeah. Plus, you get him mic'd up on the sideline. He's tremendous. He's so good. I love him. Draft Network uh, is pretty tremendous, too. You guys should swing over and check it out. Ben Solak's dropping his Mach 5.0 today, so that's exciting. Yeah. And uh, we got good content coming out. Studs and Duds is going to showcase some of the, as we're talking about, the AAF standouts from the weekend and guys that we could see get the call-ups to the pros. So going to give some love to some AAF standouts and plenty more. Monday is always, you know, the start of the week. We seem to bring our A games at the Draft Network on Monday. So make sure you swing over and check it out. Make sure you come back tomorrow for Takes on Takes on the Draft Dudes podcast. Uh, this is the people show. We give Tuesday's show to the people to bring their hot takes for me and Joe to read and react to. And I already know <laughs> we've got some great takes yep. because I've seen them coming through throughout the course of the weekend. So. Very entertaining show tomorrow. Make sure you come back, check it out. I'm Kyle Krabs, Zach Ryan and Tape, signing off with Joe Marino at the Joe Marino. Come back and see us again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.